friends, and welcome to another episode of Mandatory Redistribution Party. Today we're taking a trip to the Mountains of Madness, as I place Jack within an experiment to test the limits of human communication. To what extent can we influence or pull upon the ideology of another, particularly those who are emotionally connected to conservatism and the right wing? This is a question I think about a lot. I don't like to Think of people as evil or a lost cause to the fight for a compassionate world. And yet, and yet, I regularly fear that is a naive or impractical view. All right, put your listening hat on. It's time for the app. Jack, you have won a skiing holiday (laughs) in a packet of Monster Munch. You're (laughs) going to be sent to the Alps. Oh, no. You decide to go and try and make the best of it. Am I on my own? Yeah. Ugh. It's just for one. You pack your things. But my you what? Think, my skis? You pack your um, your cold weather pants. Yeah. Long yeah. johns. Go along. You know it's not going to be exactly your vibe, but maybe skiing itself could be quite fun. No. Mm, okay. You've gone along. It's the premise. Okay. Okay. I'm going. Yeah, I accept it. You check it out. You get a free tab on the bar. So you've got a hot chocolate on tap. I don't have the self-control to not kill myself. Okay, well, you make an arrangement with the uh, yeah, barista to uh, yeah. <laughs> only give you a certain amount yeah, yeah, per yeah. day. Cut me off at a litre of hot chalk. Yeah. It's not a bad little retreat. Uh, you're on your last day out. You've only been there a few days, but like a weekend oh, they give me a weekend? They're giving you four days. It's a long weekend. Right, so I've got to take two days off from work. No, the Monday's a bank holiday. And I, well, I'm travelling on those two days. I'm travelling on the Friday and the Monday. <laughs> Monster much have dropped the ball here. Yeah, you're right, right. Okay. It's your last day going up for a few little slides down the mountain. Mm. Um, going up the ski lift one last time. Then suddenly you hear a rumble. <gasps> Could be anything. You know they do... Um, Godzilla. They do like planned explosions. Do they? Yeah, they do. So you can't let snow drifts build up too high because then you've got avalanche risks. Oh, right. right. Okay. So actually there are little planned explosions. So they do like an intentional avalanche. Yeah, intentional mini avalanches to stop oh the big God. bad avalanche. Oh my God. Yeah. Snow Keynesianism. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so you think, oh, it's probably just that. Um, person next to you also looks worried. Who's next to me? Boris Johnson. What? <laughs> you couldn't see him underneath the hood, but you know when something like weird happens and you look at the person next to you to be like, what's going on? The line of the ski lift snaps. <laughs> what? Both oh my God. below to the snow below. It's not far. But the snow's very soft. Okay. You're both fine. I've, no broken bones. Yeah, you're both getting up. You're a little bit winded, but that's it. But then you realise, oh, it is an avalanche. Oh, is the ski lift still going? Ski lift to suspended action. 
There's no debris above, but there is a risk. There's now a line of avalanche approaching you. Far off. You've got time to run. Oh, shit. Oh, what? Okay. So is it coming from... So you start running in the alternative direction. Have I got skis on? How am I running? Badly. Am I? Do I take the skis off? What do I do? Uh, what shoes What shoes connected to a ski? Uh, bowling shoes. What? Bowling shoes. What? Yeah, bowling shoes were originally invented for skiing. What? No grip. What have I got on? Are my skis on or am I unhooking them? I think you probably go up a ski lift with skis on. Are you so. assuming, have I learned, what day has this happened? I've gone out on the Friday. I've never skied before, so I'm getting there on the Friday. Hot yeah. shock. Saturday morning, going out. How many lessons have I had? You've had a day of lessons and you're very bad at skiing. You're terrible I at skiing. Yeah, I assume that. But you're still having fun. But I could ski. The nature of the ski lift having fallen apart means that the actual slope Mm. is no longer appropriate or or capable of skiing. Okay, so the ski, useless. I get rid of them. Yeah. Discard. Both you and Boris Johnson, remove the skis from your feet and begin running slowly. So if this is very soft snow, I imagine it's quite deep. Yes. So you're running incredibly slowly. Yeah. However... There is an external supply cupboard, oh. which we're able to get into. Not a supply cupboard, like a, a shed, like an shack. equipment shed. Okay. Not locked up. You're able to get not inside it. It's not locked up. So I didn't have to bust in. So I'm not, I've not wasted energy busted in. It's no. just open. You just open it. And it's not a shelter, it's a store. So both you and he have ended up inside the equipment shed. The snow's coming in. It crashes against the shack. Okay. However, the shack's sturdy. It's been built in the last 10 years. <laughs> oh. It could have been something could have been built with the last ten years. What's that? I'm not, saying it's, I'm not saying it's some old. Doesn't make sense. It could be an old, old Swiss shack from the twenties that was. Yeah, if it was, if it was an old, it was built over. by the Swiss in the eighteen hundreds. It'd probably be exemplary. Uh, um, Geneva was entirely surrounded by the thickest walls in Europe. You're very hard to uh, pitch hypothetical to because you're very incisive. <laughs> <laughs> we're in a we're in a structure, yeah. a, a resilient structure. In which I am imprisoned with Boris Johnson. You have electricity. It's still connected oh to the Oh my God. What? Fair play. Yeah. Underground. That's, that's why I brought up its modernity. Underground wire. Because it's still heated, but there are no... Radiators. There's like no communications floor. equipment. No comms. Comms are down. Comms are down. But you are, however, safe. The avalanche okay. has, has happened. Right. You have survived. You know that people will come out and look. I know this. You know this. This is part of my training. Someone higher up was aware that someone was on the... He'll have a tracker. Bojo will have a tracker. He's not got a minder with him. No, he's not got a minder because he's out on the bloody Alps. There's no minder. Well, anyone could try and assassinate him. Why is not he, he not a minder? Isn't there like a... Um, you know, the because Americans have a secret because service. Because he's Bolshe. He's specifically he's a Bolshevik. Asked, he's, a, he's a bit Bolshe. Okay. And he's asked specifically, just let me just do a bit of skiing. Like when Theodore Roosevelt used to go into the woods and like hunt. Yeah, and also when people are out in high society, they're less at risk of assassination. It's just some of my lot. Okay, so the people, the other people, on the, like not everyone's there on a Monster Munch holiday. They've paid. Exactly. Pay, I think you could be a wealthy assassin. You can be, but it's much less likely. And I think the rich would feel safer than they Among would be their own. compared to walking through the high street and walking. Yeah, you never hear about... What's that meeting they have? Davos. Right. You never hear about an assassination there. Exactly. Yeah, fair. Okay. I, I, yeah, I buy it. Assass- assassinations happen in like public squares where different classes can meet. The Red Hand Gang and Bill Gates. <laughs> okay. So we're trapped in a shack, snowed in. Snowed Is it like covering in. the roof? Yeah. No chance of it melting. So basically, you're stuck for hours. Could be days. Have I got any way... Sorry, has Boris Johnson got some kind of tracking device on him? No. Signalling. Right, so how do we know that people are coming? An operator of the ski lift saw you board it 
and presumably saw what happened down with binoculars down the slope. Yeah, uh, someone yeah. high up keeps an eye out. Yeah, they must have seen everything that's happened, and they were high up mm -hmm. enough to avoid mm. the avalanche. Okay, that is what I've put in place to answer that question. Okay, and they've seen it. They've perhaps from a distance seen us walk to the shack. Yeah. So the, there's rescue services, emergency yeah. services are on, on so, route. So the headlines are right. You are simply trapped, but you are not in danger, and you're not even in discomfort. But now you have to wrestle with your current situation which is you are now in a one-on-one -on -one scenario with the most powerful person in the united kingdom you have unfettered access to them you would feel some kind of obligation towards the circumstances to use this for good but what would be the good thing to do okay well i'd have tried to kill him yeah if i saw that there was an avalanche coming you'd push him into the snow yep no i would have been clocked how far, how you knew someone thought. was watching from up on there. Yeah, so I could have been, I'd have been. But you could still kill him now. But what what benefit would that bring? Yeah, I, reg I retract. My, that's what. So he, my you, emo my you, emergent emotions are: you are complicit in the austerity deaths of one hundred twenty thousand people. Uh huh. This is your fault. You Let's bastard. not even forget like the racially motivated y violence, yeah. which has been directly linked to his rhetoric. Comments. Yeah. A bad person. But do I actually think that I would kill him? I think that would be, I would be like, oh, I want to kill you, you bastard. But I don't think I would. I don't think. Well, there's two I questions, right? Is that, would that be the right thing to do? And then there's, are you capable of it? At what point have I clocked him on the, the ski lift? You only clock him once the avalanche okay, is making right. itself known. And you do that kind of uncomfortable, because you're both ignoring each other, like you're British people on public transport. Okay. But then when something's going wrong, you look to the person next to you to try and work out how worried should I be. Yeah. Is he and scared? And you're like, oh, oh he's, he's scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got political power. He can't turn back the snow. Mm -hmm. It's not King Canute. My hatred would be powerful. Mm. But I haven't got the emotional wherewithal or physical wherewithal to take him down. Well, let's assume this is like a supply cupboard that has all kinds of bits and bobs that maybe a groundskeeper uses. Well, like you a could, trowel. I'm just saying you could assassinate like him. You don't need nah. to. This isn't like a Roman gladiatorial test of raw brute strength. You could just shiv him. Nah. It'd achieve nothing. What it would achieve is I would be racked with guilt for killing another human being. Yeah, even apparently one that's evil. does stuff to you. There's killing and then there's shiving someone in a way where you feel the manual sensation of them dying because of your actions. It just does something to you. Well, it's like soldiers always get PTSD from, from killing other human beings, don't they? And they're all fucking fucked in the head. Even the SS. So the SS were not conscripted. They had to prove their Aryan heritage five yeah. generations and... and uh, enthusiastically sign up and when they were killing people in ukraine they had real problems because there was rampant alcoholism as a means of self-medication among the ss we're talking about you know truly evil fuckers here yeah these aren't soldiers fighting a war these are people behind the lines of the military whose job is to kill undesirable people yeah. and they're ideologically devoted to that and they've been indoctrinated into that probably they're in the hitler youth in the in the early 30s so they're completely you know they're all in yeah super nazis and they they do not have the mental wherewithal to be doing what they're doing yeah it's, uh, it's it's taking them apart more recent history um even in isis they had to deal with because they would like break people in by having them do beheadings oh 
fucking hell. And then those people would just end up in like, just stop turning up stuff, just staying in their bunk. Getting sick makes you vom. I can imagine beheading would make you vom. So then I'd be in a shack. I'd be in a shack with Boris Johnson's corpse and, then and my own vomit constantly. and PTSD. Yeah. So okay. Yeah, I know. I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't. We're I drawing a line. But also, the, political uh, assassination doesn't work. It doesn't. It just yeah, makes well, Boris the state Johnson gone. Now we've got Jacob Rees Mark. Like yeah, the, the Leviathan. You know, the and it's like the many-headed Hydra, isn't it? Just yeah. another thing comes up. But also, I don't believe in like revenge. It achieves nothing. So, yeah, it's I wouldn't. Just a very masculine way of dealing with your emotions. <sighs> I was like, yeah, okay, but no, I don't know. That was my instinctive, silly bravado response was I'd kill him because he's, he's a bad entity. I think bad, I would have started in the same place you had started with if I was given the same question. Yeah, so okay, that guy's I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to kill him for one reason I don't think you should kill anyone else. I think it's bad. Two, I don't think I could ever kill anyone, even someone I regarded as evil. Three... I don't think political assassination achieves anything politically for the people. It would do nothing for them. So we're drawing a line, strike through. And I think murder. he's quite, I reckon he's a brawler. <laughs> I, well, I've heard a lot about like when you're in public school, they, they feed you up big time and the PE is like completely over the top. Like Fuck. the PE destroys you. They fill up on pasta before having a three course meal. Like they fill up all the time. <laughs> The idea being that they reach their maximum height potential. What? There's this big thing of like, you need to, part of the school system's job is to make you as tall as your body can possibly be. Private school? By what like, the fuck is happening? <laughs> so do you know, in, in med like in medieval times, the rich were physically much taller than mm. the poor because yeah. they were just had such better nutrition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although in some cases, like poor people would have better nutrition because the rich would be, the really rich would be gorging on like stuff that's actually really bad for you. And the poor would just be eating salmon from the river. They're just eating the turnip they've nice. grown. Yeah, I got yeah. the nutrition I need. Uh, Whereas like, you're having diet. like three bottles of piss poor medieval <laughs> wine a day and that's destroyed you. <laughs> yeah. So I went to an interview. I applied for a job in a private school, not because I fucking wanted it, but mm -hmm. because I wanted to see, you know, when am I going to get... When is an oik like myself yeah, yeah. going to get into this place? I went in and it was like a tour of the place. And it was, it was weird. It was like just me there. And like th there weren't other people being interviewed. I, I really didn't understand how the interview worked. But anyway, it was just me. I shown around all these beautiful old buildings, Gothic architecture. I was really, I was getting on. I had good banter with the guy and he was, and he was talking about what sports I could do. Cause you know, I think pretty much every teacher has to be involved in like teaching sports because they do. Yeah. They're like, trying to make them good at you know, rugger or whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not, e -sports. I'm not good at any sports. Yeah. So I um, I lied and said that uh, I was good at archery and nice. uh, fencing. I didn't want to say nerf. You'd say the tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, they were, the, they were, Hogs. they were, you know, I didn't want to say fox hunting, which he would obviously regard as sport. But I, I was like, these are this, but these are sports where he's not going to ask me to do them now. Yeah. You can't go give us a quick demo. Yeah. If you say, oh, I'm good at Irish dancing, yeah, you might be, be like, asked to do a jig. Yeah. And then that becomes part of the interview. So, oh, lad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he would, he would never say that. He then took me into the school's church and was like, oh, you know, we have. My brain wanted me to say church club then. Yeah. But we have church not, club. Just church. Just church, yeah. I think. Uh, you know, like assembly where they do songs and prayers or whatever. 
uh, like every day. Are you explaining what church is? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and he, he, he then said, oh, we think it's really important to instill British and Christian values. Uh-huh. And then I think I said something like, oh, what? It's like imperialism. <laughs> At the job interview. <laughs> I meant it to be a joke because it was a history interview. Yeah. So if you know anything about history, it was yeah. a history joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Mm-mm. Really sour the whole rest wow. of the re- remaining hour or so of the day. Yeah, misread the misread the situation. Yeah, Should have been known to do. Bad gig. Yeah, fucking tanked it. But then we went for food. Uh-huh. And lunch in this place, it was a three-course it was like a curry and it was like a high school canteen. You know, I'm, my brain's like, oh, turkey twizzlers. Yeah, yeah, turkey twizzlers, pink custard. You know, you got, got poppadoms, you got your different little, uh, you got your mango chutney, your onions, you know, all the gear. You got your main course, choice, korma type thing. Like a Rogan Josh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had some friends who went to Oxford, so I visited the Oxford College cafeteria. Yeah. Same kind of thing. It's like absolutely insane. Dirt cheap. Yeah. Subsidized by something. It's like really, really dirt cheap. And then like, because you know, all the colleges have their own different um, levels of prestige. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Depending on how old they are. And then the ones which are like mega old, they're the full on Hogwarts dining chambers where like it's King Henry VIII feasts every day if you want it. And the thing, this is the most grim thing. There are some whose, their traditions of how you ask for food and stuff is so like going back to like aristocracy and like slave level servants who are just attached to your family Mm. that you get more water by just lifting the water jug up and not making any eye contact with the serving staff and they just have to fill it silently Mm. not supposed to acknowledge each other's existence and if you do that's like well this guy doesn't belong in this college what yeah oh i mean it didn't have that that would have really sent me under but it was like a window into another world but I was, I was like, oh my God, they're, tra- they're training them. They're, they're feeding them up, yeah. these people, and tra- and training them for the class war. But Boris Johnson has that, so I'm worried. So we're drawing a line over murder. Murder's not happening, right? Yeah. So we're just big strike not, through I'm that. not going to do it. I'm not yeah. going to do it. So you're still trapped in the room. Is there anything you can achieve using your unfettered access to this person? Have I got my phone? Can I record him? Uh, you could record him. You can't get signal, but you do have your phone. Yeah, I'll try and do an episode of the potty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do an interview with him. Yeah. So what ends? I mean, uh, I'm trapped in a, the Alps, Boris Johnson. He's here. Yeah, what, are you all right, mate? Yes, I'm hot. He says. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then I would say, do you feel any remorse for any of the people whose lives you've uh, worsened? Not just the people you've killed, but the... You know, yeah, and then he'd say it. neither yes nor no and then talk about gravy or something. Or I think it would do numbers for the potty. So I see what yeah, you're no, that's, that's, Well, that is my yeah. only option. I don't like think... If he retweets that... He doesn't respond to anything. Like, if you look at any of his interactions and interviews, he just goes pure charisma. Yeah. Like, that's his thing. The people who like it are like, oh, he's, what a cad. He's a, you know, he's not like other politicians. Because yeah. he, he, he votes for the horrendous policies that make people's lives worse but he's a bit of a laugh is it yeah i like to have a laugh he'd just be doing that at me or do you think he would do you think privately he's like that or do you think privately he's more well if you, you know but if you stuck a, a recording if he knew it was being recorded oh he would activate so i then he doesn't know who you are yeah he, so i'd have to do it sneakily i've and listened I do to the intro jacob reese mogg's own podcast which is presumably he's got a podcast yeah jacob the oh mog the mog oh my god and even in that 
Jacob Rees-Mogg is less so, much, much less so than a public interview, but he's still guarded and defensive at all times. Because if you're a Tory MP, mm. you just have to be, especially if you're doing anything that's like broadcast or recorded. Right. So if he knows you're recording him, yeah, you're going to get the bluster. Right, he's going to activate. But if he d either doesn't know or you're not recording him, mm. he's presumably just going to be whoever he normally is. Do you know what I would do? I think he's okay, be far less guarded. No, no, no. Just trapped in this yeah, room. Yeah, so he's who, he doesn't know who, he doesn't know who the fuck I am. Yeah. Sound. I start recording surreptitiously. He doesn't know I'm being recorded. And yeah. I pretend to be a Tory. I pretend to be a Tory and I talk about how great he is. I attempt to get him to reveal the truth in his heart. Okay. The way I imagine a, a hardcore Tory talks to another hardcore Tory in complete private, in the privacy of a shack trapped in the Alps. Because he also presumes but, you're a rich Alps yes, here exact, as well. exactly. So he doesn't know I'm a monster munch boy. Exactly, exactly. So he doesn't know I'm a monster munch boy. They're not doing a tan oil at warning. There will be a monster munch boy amongst us. So I'm surreptitiously recording. I'm, I pretend to be a Tory. Also, we have shared trauma, which brings people together. So, yeah. we, you know, we're huddled together. For what, although you said it's heated, so maybe not, we're not huddled like, together. Like, even though I'm telling you know you're safe and stuff, you're still mm -hmm. fucking shook up. Yeah, right? shook You're going to both feel vulnerable. Yeah. So even if you were to say something that was a bit, oh, that's a bit extreme. Yeah, yeah. He would feel a certain camaraderie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bojo, I'm so glad I'm in here with a man like you. No, that would be too on the nose. What would I say? Uh, bloody hell, that was, that was bad, wasn't it? <laughs> That's your first line. Yeah, uh, yeah, a bit yeah. rough. When do you reckon, uh, glad I'm in here with you, because then they'll, uh, they'll come and find me. Oh, that might give it away. No, I'll say, it's a good job, it's both of us, because We're both my, the bank I run yeah. will be sending a chopper. Yeah. Whose chopper will arrive first? Do you want to put bets on? I've got 10 grand to spare. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because the one reason that people don't get undercover stories with these people is because the groups they inhabit are so guarded in the first place. Even mm. sending a mole in is like incredibly difficult. Well, the groups they inhabit are probably quite a lot of the leading political editors of our broadcast news. <laughs> sure. So they don't need to infiltrate them because they, they are them. <laughs> Well, I meant if someone who was like trying oh, to expose who, okay, the government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you know that someone, the Daily Mail, sent reporters to John McDonald's wife's parents' house, which I think is in Goa, to like, and then tricked them into like being invited in for tea or whatever, and then was trying to get like the dirt, you know, in case he like owned houses in yeah. Goa and was secretly a landlord. Uh-huh. Like, they, they invested resources in doing that. Yeah, you'd need to make yourself appear so rich as to be on their radar as a non-suspicious person. Well, Rich, how would, would I, how would I yourself. prove to him? How would I assure... How would I not... Hello? I'd have to change my voice, do you think? Oh, ooh, it's chilly out there. <laughs> ooh. Spot of bother. Oh, spot of bother. Where, where's the chop? I wonder if there's any booze in here, Boris. Let's have a look. Trowel, another trowel, another trowel. Oh, oh. Plenty of shivs. Oh, plenty of shivs. Oh, I hope we don't get into a tussle. <laughs> oh, boy. What's, what school did you go to? I went to Chippington's. Well, there's a bit of uh, uh, Terps. So we have this. Ooh, warm the cockles. 
Here you go. We got a, a, a receptacle. Use our ski shoe, bowling shoe. Put some turps in. Bit of snow. Keep it cold. Water it down. Here you go, Morris. Whoa, cheers. I cheers my shoe to his. Whoa, this reminds me of the days at Chippington's where we'd sneak some turps from the groundskeeper. <laughs> oh, he was always after us. We were up to no good. One time, uh, uh, a working class person, a postman, got trapped in the grounds because he couldn't find his way out. We hunted him using the fox hunting horses. We got a spot of bother with the groundskeeper. We hid in his, the last place he'd look, his own shed, and got razzed on his turps as the postman sat in the corner, weeping. Please let me go. No! And then he'd be my mate. So your strategy at this stage is to get him to say something that will expose him when you leak the recording. Yeah, so how would I lead him to that? Well, you know what we should do, and then see what he says. Why do you see it will immediately be racism or something? Yeah. The thing is, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) he does that anyway. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's that's going to be my point. (laughs) Boris Johnson has already—he's already achieved that Trumpian level of he's done most of the bad things you can do you might be able to find a more extreme version of it he's yeah. done racism he's done sexism there was the shouting in his flat so like okay do you know well, what I maybe, mean maybe I could get him to say something about like forced repatriation or something I reckon he's probably into that I, but do, do, but what, would it have what any effect? dent okay, would that yeah. make when you release it? Well, nothing. It's not going to surprise anyone who's into forced repatriation. It'll be in the news cycle but the, for two but, days. But the the even, even if I got a recording of him saying something horrific, it, I don't even think it would enter the news cycle. Yeah, exactly. It would get 400 retweets <laughs> yeah. from left Twitter. You would get some followers. That is the biggest effect you would get from leaking <sighs> that recorder. I think what we have to admit is even being trapped with boris johnson you're never going to persuade him to change his his ideology do you think you could not i persuade him off the it. to do that not persuade him off of it but like weaken it a little bit or, or take him down a notch no. is do you think there's any what argument could i present to him that he's not heard what could i show him that's more affecting than you know 700 homeless people but hang on but hang on but hang on you're not presenting him with an argument so Boris Johnson will never have met anyone like you in his oh, okay. entire so life. Alternative. So instead of pretending to be Chauncey, I'm just me. I admit that I am a norm. Just to address the idea that he's not going to respond to an argument, he's not going to respond to a statistic, mm. but the, the, the virtue you have is that you're neither of those things. You're just evidence. Yeah, he's probably never been confronted with... Human story of... Yeah, so I could talk about my own youth or the things I've encountered in work or my friend's experiences. Traditionally, if, say, there's some like rare disease uh. and there's no way of curing it and no one's really working on it, you manage to get the ear of a very famous publisher or a very famous like aristocrat or just someone who's got time to put money and effort yeah. into a campaign. Suddenly, there'll be loads of investment into researching a cure for this. Uh. Like That has been, like in the past, that would be how you would go and get money for a social cause you'll go and find the sympathy of someone with power mm. otherwise nothing gets done because if i go and tell someone who works at the post office oh help there's this issue or how can i help that has traditionally been a way of getting the elite on side is just by emotionally manipulating them giving them a way to whitewash to launder their own image public image sure so i'm saying like 
if you can't, if you can't, killing him does nothing. Killing him does nothing. Doing a big expose on something he said in this shack does nothing. Hmm. This is a very small thing. It's not as big as like him going away and conservatism stopping being an ideology. Hmm. But could you even dilute it? What effect can you even have? What could he say to me that would change my mind? Nothing. So I assume the same of him. Every now and again, a conservative person can make a good point. Hmm. It might make me... you like aware of concern trolling? No. You like sea lying and stuff like that. It's like another form of uh, an online rhetorical phenomenon mm. that is bad. Mm. Concern trolling is kind of, I pretend to believe what you believe, mm. but then as a member of your group, I really preach caution about doing this because as a member of your group, I just don't want this to turn out badly. Mm. So rather than criticizing from the outside, I say, yeah, me and you are the same. We agree the same thing. The only difference between me and you is I'm more cautious about this, and I think maybe it's not going to work out. But it doesn't challenge the core principles from which you behave. I think, like, I've definitely been self-reflective of the own limitations of my thinking and altered it. I'm not the same even week by week in how I think about things. Because, you know, stasis is death. But the fundamental values because they're values right they're not yeah they're not like beliefs in the it's not a belief about what i think is true about the world it's just here are the things that are important to me Mm. which you can't you can't show me a graph and change that Mm. you know i i am a cisgendered white man so i've definitely become more aware through reading and listening to people of you know trans issues mm-hmm. for example but they but that's like learning about a thing to become more concerned of and a thing i'm like because you oh, had maybe the value i was ignoring that before yeah you had a value to begin with of i ought to know about concerns that affect people's lives that aren't me yeah so if boris johnson was trapped in a shack with me and wanted to convince me that austerity was was good i don't think it will happen i don't I, well i don't know i i mean maybe if you presented me with a thing that just categorically gave me this like huge epiphany but i don't think boris johnson has got either the information or the ways of arguing that would appeal to me to do that i think people can under some circumstances change what their values are right what such as their material circumstances radically changing Okay, like, for example, the boomer millennial thing of like, oh, you know, boomers are all conservative, but the reason they're conservative is they're homeowners and they have capital and that that thing. That's sure, and I can also imagine of- that happening in reverse where someone ends up destitute and suddenly it's very hard to shake the whole private home ownership stuff when you now are on the other side of that fence. I'm just saying sure. I, be- I believe that kind of thing can happen. But do you think it can happen from just persuasion in the moment? That's the big question. Like, I'm imagining, like, Buddha... Because, you know, Buddha started off as a prince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he went down and he saw the homeless people and he went, I can't live like this. Mm. And there's a, I feel like there's a very good reason of why politicians are almost guarded from seeing those things. Mm. Like, I don't think that politicians, there's a real ambiguity here, but politicians either choose not to go and see it, don't believe those things exist, don't want to provide opportunities for the press to photograph them next to a homeless person, or sometimes politicians are 
actually kept a bit abstracted by like the institutions they're in. They have these minders that make sure they go to certain places to keep them on the road of the policies they already said they'll go to. Ah, there's photos of Tories at food banks smiling. Ah, yeah, maybe you're right. But but a food bank again. There's homeless people everywhere. There's homeless people outside fucking Westminster, man. They know. They fucking know. That's why I don't think I could change this person's mind because he knows full well what he's doing. You don't think there's any scene or anything that would, even if they all didn't change their behaviour, would tug on them hard in the moment? No, they would see it. They would go, this person hasn't got enough of the market in their life. This person was failed by their parents. This person didn't work hard enough. So I guess if you draw a line under that and say that form of straightforward persuasion isn't possible, hmm. then you really need to change your tactics then in such a big way. I feel like I see so much of people talking to each other in ways that feel equally futile every day. But if we're, dealing with two, we're dealing with two things. So when I say I can't change Boris Johnson's mind, yeah, that's because he is at the other end of a spectrum yeah. from me. You're both and extreme. Is, yeah, we're, 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 we're extremes. There's people, you know, to the right of Boris Johnson, there's people to the left. Sure, sure, sure. Doubtless. But we're nonetheless in the 15% of people who are unchangeable in a you know capitalist democracy like ours. You've got 15% of people who are hardcore Tory or Republican. Mm-hmm. You've got 15% of people who are hardcore progressives or on the left, whatever, right? And what what happens is the the majority are because of the systems that exist. Mm-hmm. Are a lot of things are depoliticized, and people are like quite kind of apolitical mm-hmm. and malleable. So this is how uh, the Overton window is able to shift. Is what it does is it it's moving those people. It's moving the consensus. Yeah, there are people who are persuadable one way or the other, pulled to the left or pulled to the right, depending on one-to-one conversations or the general kind of cultural milieu in which they operate mm-hmm. and people kind of shift. So I do think that in for the people that are in that middle kind of apolitical block mm-hmm. that maybe think about politics at election time, they're changeable. But I don't think me or Boris Johnson are. Because you're extremes. Yeah. Well, yeah. That makes sense. I think that makes sense. I, I, so I don't, I don't completely reject the idea that persuasion is pointless and then once you hit a certain point, your ideology is completely static. I think that because so much of our culture is depoliticized, like mm-hmm. people uh, can go through life and go, oh, I don't really care about politics. Whereas politics is the thing that determines yeah, power. It's what yeah. it's what determines their day to day. It's what determines their life. Do you know? I'd go, I'd go one further and say, not only could you not persuade Boris Johnson, I don't think you and he would even have to be able to have a coherent conversation about politics. Let's just assume, for argument's sake, he was just abstractly interested in talking to someone who had your set of beliefs. Do you know what I mean? You're not a threat to him. You're not grilling him for, for news. No, I think, I, think, I think we could definitely have a coherent conversation. I don't think we'd agree, but you can definitely have a conversation. Have you heard of the uh, thought experiment of like Wittgenstein's lion? Do you know what I mean by that? No. So Wittgenstein does a lot of stuff on like language He's got a lion. and reference. He didn't have a lion, but he did he have, like a, a zoo guy? have a thought experiment. Who is um, this guy? Wittgenstein. Yes, he's a zoo guy. No, no he's a philosopher. He's like a... German? German, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he put forward... A thought experiment yeah. to say that if a lion could speak English, a lion learned English. <laughs> okay, right, 
you would not why do lions learn english lions don't live in england uh okay <laughs> this line lion can talk. english i feel like when you would come to a thought experiment with this level of nitpickery we don't get anywhere <laughs> <laughs> okay a lion can talk yeah a lion can speak english yeah which is the language that you can speak yeah however telepathically no no his mouth wouldn't be able to okay okay so you and he we can communicate or she i can communicate with the lion yes oh well the lion can speak do you want me to set it up again yeah but just be clear i'm confused the lion can speak english you must have seen this in an animated <laughs> film or you may have seen depictions of this in saturday morning yeah, yeah. children's entertainment okay yeah 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 that even though you have a shared language you will not be able to converse intelligibly with the lion because the lion's understanding of the world and its reference and its culture hmm. are so radically different to yours across all planes that you just wouldn't be able to actually express your ideas properly even though you have the same language because what you look to in the world to use to express yourself are just so different you'd still remain not understanding each other Darmak and Jalad at Tanagra oh I don't know what you've just said yeah one listener will <laughs> <laughs> fair enough uh, that's for you Star Trek Next Generation fan there's there's an episode uh, called Darmok uh -huh. of so Wittgenstein don't know but there's uh -huh. a Star Trek episode that has ripped this off right um, where the Enterprise meets another ship and they're bickering and they're unable to communicate because yeah. the whatever translation machine that the enterprise has doesn't work with this culture. Uh -huh. So the both captains, the captain of the other ship beams Captain Picard down to this planet. Yeah. As well as their captain. And, you know, he just says things like Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. Uh -huh. And it turns out that because he is able so the some of the translations working right because yeah. he can he's saying when the walls fell so yeah. that's in that's english so something is happening in the translator but they're so culturally different that they can't understand each other yeah and the episode is about them basically being hunted by like a beast right and that they have to work together and by working together they'll understand and that's the, the because they've a, had shared experience because they they've can, had shared, well this yeah. is the thing Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra it takes the whole episode to you know spoilers mm -hmm. to reveal it but the Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra were people you know who came together through shared struggle right. and that's what he's trying to that's what he's trying to say uh and you know Picard gradually understands that this this uh species communicates through uh, metaphor even though it doesn't make any sense because how would you communicate entirely in metaphor like how did they, yeah. they what were the what was the original metaphor? that for, for some reason that could access my brain easier than the talking lion but it's the same okay, it's the same thing yeah, same thing and yeah. so because boris johnson has lived like the world boris johnson inhabits is more foreign than any other country right because every other country has systems whereby people live in ways which are more familiar to us than Boris Johnson's life. Yeah. Politics is the communication of values and ideals, which are obviously informed by your material circumstances. And he is basically from another planet. So I don't know if we'd be able to just talk coherently about politics without hitting these massive strange walls where you're just not understanding each other. No. The right are as well versed in arguing against Marxist ideas or whatever as, as we are in theirs. He would know if I was just to go like, don't you think the, the profit motive's problematic? He'd be able to say, no, I think it's quite good. And we, and then, I'd, you know, I think he, we've probably got other stuff. I bet he's read Lord of the Rings. I probably has read Lord of the Rings, yeah. 
Christmas. I said, do you ever have a good Christmas? What do you yeah, do at Christmas? Obviously you could, yeah, obviously you could. Yeah, obviously. I'm just saying there comes a point in the conversation where the conversation just breaks down and you'll discover a wall somewhere. A wall where you're like... Well, we get in a huff with each other. No, not anger. Just There's just some kind of... This might be a bad analogy and we cut it out. But like Jordan Peterson went on a podcast oh, of Sam Harris. And Sam Harris is a philosopher. He's a bad egg, but he yeah, is like okay. disciplined in philosophy. Whereas Jordan Peterson is a psychologist and clearly doesn't know a lot about formal philosophy. Okay. But he's gone to this philosophy podcast and Sam Harris presumes because he does all the all the overtures of knowing about that world, they talk about um, knowledge and truth and stuff. And the conversation just absolutely is a car crash. Okay. Whoever your guy is and who you want to win, mm. everyone considers this interview a car crash because they can't even agree on what words mean. Like they can't agree because Jordan Peterson just doesn't know the terminology. And comes oh, well, he did that on the Zizek one, didn't he? Because he doesn't know what... Marks, but that's what I feel like it would be like. You can't find this common established understanding that allows you to communicate because it's not just ignorance. I think it all come down to values. I think you would hit a massive wall. Yeah, I know. I don't think I could alter his values, but I bet he knows. I bet he knows stuff. He's devoted his life to politics. Yeah, I tell you what, we couldn't have a conversation about video games or Star Trek. Sure, yeah. And there I'd hit a wall. Yeah. Yeah. We watch your favorite Pokemon. Who would you play as on Tekken? Yeah. right breaks are on but i think politics he'd be able to he'd disagree with me but i reckon he'd know shit i would love to see the fallout of someone like you just trying to talk to boris johnson not That's even why i'd be recording it bonus app <laughs> <laughs> first we need to rig it so i get the monster munch prize is this real have monster munch no away? no this isn't real oh. sorry what's monster munch got to do with skiing i wanted to place you in an activity that you felt comfortable with before I placed you in an environment that I knew. Oh, so I'm enjoying a nice packet of monster it's, munch. Yeah, it's the way you kind of okay. give an animal some food and then you take it to the vet. Yeah, that, that would trick me. That would work. I would just be using basic yeah. vet animal yeah, yeah, that'd tricks get me. on you. And I would, I would be got. Give you a monster munch, take you to the Alps. Yeah, I'd be out and with a fucking cone on my neck. But I feel these questions are big ones that I can't quite answer, which is like, there are people you can't convince. Yeah, Arguably, you disagree, right? But you arguably can't even like, talk to them properly they can't like come into your traditional value system you you can't integrate them essentially yeah so you can't convince them you can't integrate them so if ever the world were to fundamentally change they would just oppose a socialist country until they died yeah well, that, <laughs> that's fine they, that's as long as they can't enact it's we'll think of fascists right obviously we don't want fascism to exist mm-hmm. and we should do everything we can to eradicate the ideas but it's fine if you're just fascist in your own head, fucking sat in your house or talking to your other fascist mates and not able to do anything about it. I don't care. Have your horrible thoughts. Doesn't does nothing. Don't need to be like killed. I guess you're presuming but that I, I a socialist country will be able to completely disempower these people who have connections to globally powerful people all around the world. I just don't think that's possible these days. How powerful is the left right now, Sean? <laughs> After decades of capitalism. Right. Not very. So they've done it. Yeah. It can be done. Then they're showing the blueprints. Maybe just kill him. Mandatory Redistribution Party was created and produced by Sean Morley and Jack Evans. 
Our title theme was created by Ella Jean, with additional music by Sean Morley. We've got a live show coming up this Wednesday at the Pier Hat in Manchester, and another at Lolshevism Comedy Club in Leeds on the 2nd of December. Why not take a second or two to imagine what it might be like to attend? Well, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? Well, that's for you to think about. Goodbye, friends. Thank you.